Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And this is the Snakes Cast. We're finishing our week's series on board game apps today. And with us, once again, Suzanne Sheldon. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm so happy to be here. I've had such a fun time talking board game apps with you. Yay, likewise. now that apps have been a thing in board games that for the most part people are sort of excited when they think of they find out that something is coming out with an app companion or like an app version you know especially people like us that are you know kind of like waist deep into the hobby but when this first sort of started being a thing were people like objecting to having games that you couldn't play without apps? Do they think it was like you know ruining the sanctity of the tabletop? I personally get that feedback weekly still and you know to be really honest and fair i understand the objections to digitization of board games or introducing technology into the analog um i personally don't agree with them but i can understand where they're coming from um you know i i hear a myriad of objections the primary objection i hear to it is especially with uh Integrated apps, uh, that like XCOM isn't, you know, we, that we talked about previously is a great example. Um, a lot of people just say, look, I play board games to get away from digital, to get away from technology. It is my break from this world that we're entering where everything is a computer screen, everything is LCDs, everything is devices, and you can't ever, you know, get away from it. So board games is my break and I don't want technology in my board games. That is without a doubt the most common objection I hear to it. And, you know, to be fair, I can understand that. I really can. Uh, You can take my phone from my cold dead hands, but I understand (laughs) where they're coming from. One of the other objections was that uh, people were worried that uh, if support for a game dropped, then the app would become unplayable, and therefore this box of cardboard and wood and plastic that I purchased is going to be useless. Do you think there's any chance that we will actually wind up losing these sorts of things? Is is, is there a risk when you buy something like XCOM or Mansions of Madness that, uh, that it is going to wind up being a useless box? That's such an interesting question, and I, I've I've... I'm glad you brought it up. I've heard that objection as well. And honestly, I think it's such a low risk. I think the best I, – I, I just don't think you've you've seen that borne out. When you think about games, and we talked about this in a previous episode, Dark Tower is a great example. Mm-hmm. Somebody's digitized the Dark Tower experience. So if you have Dark Tower at home and your digital you know device that came with the game doesn't work anymore, there's a way for you to play that. Because somebody ported it over. And because technology improves as you go, it only becomes easier for older technology to be transported into newer platforms in the future. Another great example of that are VCR games. There are all these, I mean, who the heck has a VCR anymore, right? Not very many people. <laughs> we, we get asked about those at the cafe sometimes, and I always have to say, yeah, we couldn't really get a video cassette recorder out onto, out to your table. Oh, well, that's, that's fair, but. If they have a mobile device and you have Wi-Fi and you have the physical components, guess what? Those videos have all been digitized onto YouTube. So you can play Nightmare, like, right now with your phone. I have no doubt. As long as you can play it on YouTube, you can totally do it. And the people who do this, they're they're passionate hobbyists. They put, like, chapter breaks just to mirror the stops in the VCR as it was programmed (laughs) and things like that. That's amazing. Again, almost making it easier, right, than playing with the VCR and that kind of thing. I just don't think we've seen the risk. I mean, historically, we have not seen games go obsolete because the technology changed. Now, games go obsolete because the game 
is no longer fun or, (laughs) you know, and and games improve uh, and things like that, you know, but similarly, you buy this box again, you know, you buy this box. What happens if somebody spills a cup of coffee on it? You can't play the game anymore or, you know, things like that. There are so many things that impact that. I don't think technology obsolescence is a real risk to uh, making a board game unplayable. Moving sideways to uh, to board game apps, like you know, a, a simulation of the game where you play it on your tablet and you don't have a physical copy. Uh, is there concern with some kinds of games that uh, an app sort of makes the tabletop version obsolete? Like I had a friend who talks about how he doesn't buy deck builders anymore, uh, at least not physical copies, because what takes an hour to play on the tabletop is you can play in five minutes using an app. Is, is, is there concern that that's actually going to become an issue? I've definitely heard that. And, you know, it's an interesting, I'd be interested in hearing your perspective too, almost from a retailer's perspective, right? Because my attitude towards it as a non-retailer may be a little different. Uh, and I think we discussed this previously a little bit as well, is that Board game apps are becoming a bigger and bigger thing because publishers are seeing the financial benefit of it. I mean, that is just the flat out truth. Mm. For some people, that is absolutely true. For your friend, right? They're done with deck builders because it's so much easier to play on device. For me personally, an example of that would be Sentinels of the Multiverse. I traded away my copy of Sentinels after the board game app came out because the board game app is so awesome and it just makes everything so much easier. Uh, and I can play it solo and, you know, you don't have to track all the, you know, freeze damage, lightning, all the, I mean, it just makes everything so easy. That said, you know, the Sentinels of the Multiverse app is an official licensed app. The revenue goes to the designers and publishers, etc. So I'm still supporting the game company when I purchase that app. And, you know, I think for just as many people like me that experiences and goes, oh, um, I don't need my physical copy anymore. I think there are also people that will experience it as an app and be compelled to explore it in a physical way as well to have more of that dynamic interpersonal act, you know, uh, interaction that we all love about board games so much. So I personally, I think on a one-off basis, obviously you're always going to be able to have examples of, you know, any side of an argument, but I personally don't see it as um, a big concern. I am interested to hear it from, you know, a snakes and, and lattes perspective though. I mean, do you feel like there's risk in, physical board game sales declining because of digital replacements? Generally speaking, the kinds of um, guests that we have at Snakes are fairly new to the hobby. These are very casual users who are interested in games. They've heard they're becoming popular again, but uh, they aren't hobbyists for the most part. So they have no idea that these apps exist for the Generally most speaking, part. no. And a lot of the time, like, people that are coming in to Snakes Lattes to buy board games, again, they're, like, new to the hobby. And what they really are looking for is, like, the human component of mm-hmm. it, right? It's, like, that's what they want. That's what they're there for. Yeah, they're not know? coming to a cafe so that they can use their tablet or their mm-hmm. phone, generally. Yeah. So even if we told them about the app, they were like, oh, neat, I might check that out after I play this game, you know, six or seven <laughs> times with the people that I intend to play it with in real life, in person, at my house, on my table, with my friends, you know? And uh, as far as um, uh, companion apps are concerned, we do see those get used. If somebody, mm-hmm. if a group of uh, people are playing one night, there's a good chance that one of them is going to have their phone out and they're going to be playing using that. Mm-hmm. We have a copy of XCOM on the shelves. And, um, well, XCOM, the app also happens to include a tutorial. I mean, teaching that game, just uh, the, doing the entire tutorial, is a bit too long for one of the gurus at Snakes to mm-hmm. handle, generally speaking. 
But when the guru can provide the overall explanation and then the app fills in the details uh, in tutorial mode, uh, that actually becomes something that's playable and something we can use at the cafe and that our customers can enjoy. Oh, that's very cool. I did not think about that angle, but I love that idea that it enables you, your team to get that game out and make it easier for you to get people to play it. That's very, very cool. And who knows? As board, games can, as, as board game cafes continue to rise in prominence, maybe we'll see more and more incidences of this. Yeah. And ultimately, I think, you know, you and Emily really hit on an important thing when it comes to uh, board game apps, board games, and the idea of technology, integration, things like that. Ultimately, I think almost every board gamer loves board games in large part because of the people, Mm -hmm. because you do get to sit around a table with your friends and, you know smack talk them and, and, you know, feel the challenge of playing with a human being and having that interaction and friendship and shared experience. And let's face it, that is something that for the most part, a digital app can just never, ever replace. So when I hear concerns about the risks or dangers of board game apps, I always go back to that. And and why do I play board game apps so much? Because I, I don't have as many options. But if I had my druthers and time and availability, would I rather be sitting around with friends? I'd say 98% of the time, I would much rather be with my actual friends playing the real game. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the the crux of the hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Just, talk, just touching back on what we were talking about when we were talking about like apps making games obsolete, like your example of Sentinels of Multiverse or your friends at Steve? Uh, it was actually Eric. Eric, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought I heard Steve say something about it. Um, talking about like how he doesn't play any deck builders anymore because the apps just make it so much better. People that take those examples and talk to them about like, oh yeah, you know, like apps like ruining board games are forgetting that these are people that have a problem with the board game to begin with, mm-hmm. right? And then it's entirely possible that something else would have ha- come out that would have phased this game out of their life anyways, you know? Like, maybe a game quite similar to Sentinels of the Multiverse that was not quite so convoluted came out, and then you would have never touched Sentinels again because this game scratched that itch for you in a more effective, satisfying way. Or, like, a deck builder that somehow managed to make not involve any shuffling or something <coughs> Dice like masters. that. <coughs> Dice masters. You know? So, when people complain about, you know, apps taking over something and replacing things, they're almost putting board games on this like pedestal you know like they are you know without fault and they're just like these like innocent victims of you know the crush of technology but you know the reality is that sometimes things just don't work and something comes out that works better and then you do that instead right would would you rather have your friends being able to play an electronic uh, adaptation of this game or not be able to play it at all. Exactly. And it's just like, um, I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about like dice games and one game that we talked about was like Bang and you know, there's Bang and then there's Bang the Dice Game and you know, Bang the Dice Game came out and everyone's like, yeah, like you basically never need to play Bang ever again because the dice game is so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same thing, you know, like, but nobody is complaining about how Bang got like left out in the cold (laughs) and this like this like this, you know, new modern development of dice is going to leave all of our card (laughs) games, you know, in the dust. Like, you know, things just change and get better sometimes, you know, and it doesn't always have to be technology based, but it just so happens right now that a lot of it is. Emily, you can't see me because this is obviously an audio show, but I'm like pumping my arms and like <laughs> clapping for you. That's brilliant. You're absolutely right. And that was 
brilliant. I love it. Thanks. So, Suzanne, what's at the forefront of board game app development these days? What are the most anticipated things coming down the pipe? What's 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 got you excited? What has me excited is just the increasing attention and publishing rate of of apps and the increasing attention to more complex games as well. You know, I think you see it with the recently released Terra Mystica app. Hmm. I mean, Terra Mystica by no accounts is a light quick game. Yeah, no. <laughs> and here is a beautiful app version that is beautifully produced and is a great version of the game that I can play on my tablet. And Terra Mystica is one of those games, it can be harder to get to the table because of the length of play, the complexity of play, etc. So, you know, if you have the desire to play Terra Mystica and you just can't get that group together or whatever, now you have an option. And I love that. I think you actually also see this in the Snakes clientele and a lot of people I game with. You know, we're a little more on the casual, lighter side of the hobby. But they're also war games are moving into digital. These huge, complex, you know, chit and hex games. We're talking like advanced squad leader type stuff? Totally. Exactly. Like these, you know, 1775 Rebellion and all these other things. Um, Again, proof that publishers are recognizing the demand and benefits of digitizing their games. I'm also excited about somebody, I know this is not a discussion about Asmodee, but I'm also excited about Asmodee Digital and what they're doing in this space because they have this extensive catalog and they have proven that they can produce excellent apps and they're doing it. They're backing it up. I know that their publishing rate over this next year is going to be phenomenal. They have at least a dozen games coming out this year, planned for this year, and they're going to be polished. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be fun. And what I really, really love is that they'll likely be online playable and cross-platform playable. Mm. And I think that that's a huge, huge thing, too. So iOS users will be able to play with their Android-using friends. Absolutely. And I think that that's a big thing that I think more and more people are recognizing, more publishers are recognizing. And that is actually one of the biggest shifts I'm seeing in board game apps in the last year and a half or so, is if you look at board game apps that were produced four or five years ago, you're going to see a lot of them are available only on iOS. And that is for a variety of reasons. But today, that is much, much less common. Common. It's it's a rarity now that a new board game app is released on only one platform, iOS or Android. Now you're really seeing them released on both platforms, opening it up to the you know the two largest platforms for mobile devices. And I'm really excited about that. I'm an iOS user, um, but actually in some ways, I a number of years ago I made that choice in part because of the board game apps that were more available on iOS. So I think that 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 cross platform play and cross platform availability is something that is really exciting as well. One of the reasons why I didn't really uh, become an early adopter of board game apps is because I'm an Android user. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't... It, there's pretty slim pickings for a while there. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It was absolutely awful, for sure. It's nice that that's changing, finally. There's um, there's a project, Emily, I think you're going to be interested in this one. Uh, you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yeah. I think it's Portal Games. Uh, they're putting together a game, a, a detective game, where it's it's a Sherlock Holmes style thing, where you've got a case book and you're solving crimes and stuff. But it's app oriented, which means this can remember where you've been, and you can use it to keep notes and all sorts of other things. So they did, and plus it's a contemporary game. It's not like in Victorian England or mm-hmm. anything. It's today, so all of the same you know uh, electronic gizmos that uh, that a modern detective would use are going to be there as physically part of the game. I want it. I want, I want it, it so much. I, when I was small, I played 
these like Nancy Drew like PC games and it was oh, like wow. exactly that it was like I am Nancy Drew and like some kid like caught fire in the gym at school and I'm wandering around school collecting clues solving crimes but I guess I somehow managed to play one of them on like hard mode so like I had to like take actual real life notes so I had my like notebook and it was my Nancy Drew notebook and I would like play this computer game for like hours and I was like <laughs> nine and it was my favorite thing in the entire world so this excites me sounds this like it's coming really back excites me. that's so adorable I love that so where do you see things going from here? What, what's, what's the next big development that you anticipate seeing? That's so hard to say. You know, honestly, I think the next big, big thing we might be a little bit far away from, but honestly, it's going to be bigger screens. And it's going to be the idea of the digital tabletop where, um, and, and there's a couple of companies already playing around this, where on a larger touch tablet that you can put in the middle of the table. People are sitting around and they have electronic pieces. So you get physical pieces that send signals to the digital tabletop. So you're playing the physical board game in many ways, but it's a digitized experience. I do think that that's something that I know that's something that people are working on. And um, I think we're still a little ways off from that being implemented sleekly and smoothly, but I, I suspect that that's the direction we're going to be heading. And that'll be another really interesting uh, new development in our little world of board games, for sure. Fascinating. Yeah, the uh, I was actually, the, the closest thing I think we've seen to that uh, was something called Golem Arcana. Yeah. And I was actually really disappointed by Golem Arcana. Yeah, because I haven't played it. That's the augmented reality, right? It's, yeah, it's sort of where um, you've got the physical pieces on the board, mm-hmm. and you've also got an app which sort of keeps track of where stuff is. But every time you move a piece you have to tell the app okay i moved a piece which means it kind of wound up being this unhappy medium of having to deal with the shortcomings of both because the technology wasn't quite there yet uh they had this cool stylus that you would use to indicate a place and so on when you tapped a thing with this stylus the app would tell you what its capabilities were and that was cool so you didn't need the rule book but by the same token you might as well have just been using the screen they had beautiful beautiful miniatures for it but they felt almost extraneous in that context. So uh, once we get to a point where the table actually knows where the miniatures are and, and, and this sort of extra level, this extra layer of bookkeeping is no longer required, uh, when the tech gets there, I think we're going to see some really exciting stuff. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. All right. Wow. We are over time. That was a lot of fun, but uh, we better bring this one to a close. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for coming to the show to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. I'm sorry. I I talked a little bit much, but I get so excited. I had so much fun. No, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. We we always do this. We're just very easily (laughs) distracted. Especially when the topic is something that we're particularly having fun with. Anyway. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hi, to like ask us questions about more of some of the stuff that we talked about. If you have ideas of other stuff we could talk about, because we love to talk, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Snakescast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the Snakescast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. And speaking of our guest, if you would like to hear more from Suzanne Sheldon, uh, how do we get more from you, Suzanne? You can usually find me on Twitter. That's where I'm more, most active. I'm at 425Suzanne there. And you're always welcome to email me if you have any questions about board game apps. And that is 425Suzanne at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in to Board Game Breakfast and Board Game Blender. Suzanne is a featured contributor to those shows as well. Join us again next week when we're going to shine the game spotlight on not one, but two titles by Ted Alsbach. Suburbia and Castles of Mad King Ludwig. All right. See you next week. 
Thanks, everybody.